Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We are going to continue our study through the gospel according to Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. As well, you're going to want to turn in your Bible to John 1, Acts 19, and Matthew 11. Once again, you'll see it on the screen, Mark 1, John 1, Acts 19, Matthew's gospel chapter 11. Let me say our team in El Salvador is doing great. They just finished up the pastor's conference ministering to over 100 pastors from around Central and South America. And then they headed over to El Sunsal, where they will be building a house for someone whose house fell down. And so they'll be building a house, pouring the slab, putting it up. Thank God Pastor Pat is a construction guy, so he is able to actually build a house. And so this house hopefully will stand. Um, I also want to say we need volunteers. And so you saw the, Oct- uh, the Harvest Fest announcement. We are so grateful for your generosity in your treasure. And we're also looking for your generosity in your time. And so as we give our time, talent, and treasure to the Lord, this is your opportunity to minister to thousands of people that will be on our property to hear the gospel. And we're given the gospel in all kinds of ways at Harvest Fest. And so I want to encourage you to be involved. Now, who would like to volunteer? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, those of you that have not raised your hands, we'll see you later. Mark 1, John 1, Acts 19, Matthew 11. Let's go to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts. Our Father, the topic today is one by which you will use a hero of our faith, John the Baptist, to spur us on to love and good works. And so, Spirit of the living God, we ask you to fall fresh in this place. For I know that there will be those that are sitting here that will be challenged. There will be those that are encouraged and inspired. But I pray that as we take a look at Mark chapter 1, that you would open our eyes and give us spiritual ears to hear. Because we want to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started the gospel according to Mark, and we learned that Mark was writing to encourage the church, you can begin again, to let unbelievers know who have made a mess of their lives, you can begin again. God in Christ Jesus offers us new life. And now in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, we'll go through verse 1 and 3, you are going to see Mark make an announcement. Would you look with me? Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send, God speaking, my messenger, speaking of John the Baptist, before your, speaking of Jesus, face who will prepare your, speaking of Jesus, way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Just as it was written in the prophets, 
Mark starts his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He begins it and he says, it began just as God said that it would. You see, he told the prophets hundreds of years prior to the birth and the ministry of Jesus Christ, the manner of which the ministry of Jesus would start. And that's exactly where Mark begins. And he begins there for a reason as it is written in the prophets. You see, he would send a messenger. He would send a messenger as a herald to announce the coming of the king. Now, in this modern context of the first century world, everyone knew that when a king was coming, someone would go before the king to let everyone know the king is coming down this road. And people would line up on either side. They would clear the street from rocks. They would make the path straight so that the king could travel and the king could be celebrated. And Mark wants us to know that the prophets made this announcement hundreds of years prior to the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And just the way that God said Jesus' ministry would begin, it began that way. And what Mark wants us to know, that if God said it, you'd better believe it, that settles it. If God said it, you better believe it, that settles it. You see, in the next 16 chapters, Mark is going to prove that Jesus is God. And whatever Jesus says, you better believe it, that settles it. So in chapters 1 through 9, he's going to prove that Jesus is the Son of God by his miraculous ministry in Galilee. Then in chapter 10, something is going to pivot and change, and Jesus is going to find his way in Mark chapter 10 going to Jerusalem. You'll see it on the screen, Mark chapter 10, verse 33. It's the pivot point of all of history. Behold... We are going to Jerusalem. Now remember, this is Jesus, who Mark has taken the time to prove that he's God. And the Son of Man will betray to the chief priest and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Okay. I know some of you were at the Dodgers game last night, and I saw you on the screen cheering a little bit louder than when I say Jesus rises again, and one sweet person goes, amen. So I'm going to do that one more time. And he will rise again. Sometimes I think we are so from L.A., we scream more for the Dodgers than we do for Jesus. Now, I'm very happy that the Dodgers won. However, Jesus said he prophesied that he will rise again. Now, let me tell you something. If Jesus said it, you better believe it. That settles it. And then in chapters 11 through 16, we're going to see Jesus tested as the Son of God. We're going to see Jesus teaching as the Son of God. And guess what? Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 that he would be killed, that he would be buried, and that he would rise again. And Mark will show us in chapter 16 the truth. Jesus truly is the Son of God. What he says, you'd better believe it, that settles it. And it's important to understand this is an announcement that Mark is making. God said it, period. Let me tell you something. 
After our first son was born, Micaiah Scott Roy Lowe, we sent out a birth announcement. Can you imagine if we sent out a birth announcement and half the people we sent the birth announcement said, wrote uh, Andre an email back and said, it never happened. <laughs> Micaiah Lowe was never born. Let me tell you something. You would have to deal with a scorned woman if you told her that Micaiah Lowe was never born after several hours of delivering that child. And I need to let you know something about an announcement. It is fact. It ain't up for debate. It ain't up for discussion. This is not a debate that Mark is addressing, nor is this a discussion. He is simply and boldly making an announcement that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is the one that will redeem us from our sins. That's period. Period. Mark is so confident of this, he pulls from Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, and he pulls from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, and what he does is he personalizes it, and he takes it from the unknown to the very fact that Jesus is the one. He moves it from the way to his way, making it very clear and very matter-of-fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. What God said hundreds of years before through the prophet of Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 3, that Jesus is the fulfillment, that he will make the paths straight. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And believers, we should follow the same direction. You see, we are the modern day messenger. And we've got to communicate to a world that Jesus is coming again. Now remember, he told us he was coming. And if Jesus said that he was coming, you better believe it. That settles it. And he gave us a responsibility to be a messenger and to have the same kind of confidence as Mark to say, Jesus Christ is coming and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, when you have Mark's confidence, you will actually proclaim God's way. Let me explain. Would you take a look at Mark chapter 1, verse 3? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. This word crying, it's the word shouting. I want you to understand the passion of this word. There's no ambivalence about this word. There's no closet Christian about this message. This is an out loud message that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried for three days, and rose again to live forevermore. That is the power of the gospel message. It's bold. It's courageous. It's unashamed. It does not hide in the midst of darkness. In fact, the darker it is, the brighter the light was shine. In fact, it was very dark. Because he was cry aloud. Would you look at verse 3? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, I know you've probably got Swiss Family Robinson in your mind. That kind of like jungle and flowing rivers and coconuts and all the deal. That's not a wilderness in Israel. In fact, if you go with us to Israel in 2024, you'll go to this wilderness. It's desert. It's arid. It's dry. 
and the messenger would be called to go into that desert, arid, dry place, and boldly proclaim the gospel that Jesus Christ was coming. You see, Israel was spiritually dark. It was a spiritual desert. I don't know if you know this, but the priesthood was being bought from Rome to the highest Jewish bidder. The temple, you remember what Jesus did. It was just a money-making scheme. And Jesus went and turned the tables with coins going everywhere because he disagreed with what was happening in the temple because his house was to be a house of prayer. In fact, God had not spoken to Israel in over 400 years. You see, the wilderness that this is speaking of is not just the desert where the messenger would preach. It was the reality, the spiritual reality of the nation of Israel. And does that wilderness not, does not describe our own world today? Does it not describe our own world today? We are living in that spiritual dryness today. We are living in the arid place of the 21st century. We are living in the wilderness of the world. It's where God has planted us. Our world has forsaken spiritual values for the sake of comfort and for the sake of convenience. And it's there in the midst of that wilderness, that spiritual darkness, that God would raise up one man, to shine as a light and go into that wilderness and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, I need to be honest with you. This week has been a very difficult week for me spiritually. I have wrestled with this message thinking it was not the right message, not a good message, and not the message that I'm supposed to speak. Even last night, wrestling with the message that God had for us this morning, waking up early in prayer, still wrestling and in my spirit, and I believe that God spoke to me, what you're experiencing is spiritual war because I have this message for this church because I want them to rise up in this generation and be a John the Baptist to prepare the coming of the Lord. That's us. Mark chapter 1, I've introduced him. Would you please look at verse 4, John. Now stop there. Now many of you are concerned if I will get to verse 11 today. I will. Stay with me. John. Before we talk about his ministry, I want us to understand his calling. For the Lord is going to use the calling of John the Baptist in the same way he's calling us today. So would you keep your finger in Mark, go with me to John's gospel, John's gospel chapter 1. John's gospel chapter 1, I'm going to pick it up in verse 19. John's gospel chapter 1, I'll pick it up there in verse 19. Speaking of the calling of the ministry of John the baptizer. Now this is the testimony of John, okay? So this is what John said. This is what John, John the apostle wants us to know what John the Baptist said. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Now let me tell you why they sent. 
John is baptizing out by the Jordan River, which is away from Jerusalem. He's attracting crowds to the Jordan River. That means those crowds were not going to the temple. And when the crowds weren't going to the temple, the Sanhedrin, the priests, the Levites were losing money. You better go find out what this guy's doing because we're losing money. And so they go to John the Baptist and they say to him, who are you? Look at this, verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, take a look. I am. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Did you hear that, church? John defined himself by the word of God. He defined himself by the word of God. You see, John, he was the son of a priest, Zechariah. He should have been going to little preschool in Jerusalem. He should have been preparing to take his father's position as a priest in the temple of Jerusalem, but John wanted nothing to do with the corruption of the temple. So he left Jerusalem. He goes out into the Judean wilderness because he did not want a public life. He wanted a private life. He wanted to seek God in the wilderness. And one day, John is in a cave somewhere having his devos. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah. And he's reading there in chapter 40. And back then, they didn't have chapter 40, verse 3. They just read the whole thing. But he's reading the scroll, and he reads in the scroll the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, this speaks to him right there in his devos. You're the guy. You're the voice. And John, in the spirit, realizes through his devotions I'm the guy. And you know what John did? I don't want to be the guy. I like my little cave. I like my little private life. I don't want to go out in that wilderness. It's very scary out there. And what will they say about me? I mean, I I might lose my job. People may not like me. I mean, if I tell people about the message and I don't even know who he is, like, this is going to take a lot of faith, God. I'm not, I don't think I can. Not John. John took God's word seriously. And John left his private life. He left his secluded life, the thing that he wanted, a private, secluded, monk kind of life, and he was launched into public ministry. He left what he wanted for what God had for him. So listen, ladies. When you're reading your devotions tonight and it says, be un." Be ye not unequally yoked, and you're dating an unbeliever. You call him tomorrow morning, and you say, goodbye. (laughs) You see, if the word of God actually defines you, and the word of God is actually how you're going to live your life, like John the Baptist, then when you read something like that, you've got to immediately do something with it. You can't date an unbeliever and call it missionary dating when the Bible says, be ye unequally yoked. You call the man and say goodbye, and he goes, but I love you. 
I just want to live with you. You look at him and you go, goodbye. You might be saying to yourself, well, I may not find another man. I say to you, you are preventing yourself from finding the right man. Not one single lady clapped. (laughs) Our young adult section over here. I love you guys. Our devos are not just for our edification. Our devos are to get direction from our commander-in-chief. And John the Baptist took it seriously. And once he knew what God wanted him to do, he did it with passion. He cried out. He didn't debate God. He didn't argue with God. He didn't delay. In fact, we're going to find a word in the gospel according to Mark. It's the word immediately. Mark mentions this word over 20 times because whenever God tells you to do something, you should do it immediately. We should follow the example of John. And that's the hope of this message today. You see, I don't know who your hero is. I don't know if it's an NFL star, NBA star, WNBA. I don't know who your hero is, but my hero is John the Baptist. And I take a look at John the Baptist and the way he passionately lived his life. Let's take a look. Mark chapter 1. Go back there with me. Verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission or for the forgiveness of sins. That's it? John came baptizing and preaching? That's all. I mean, he didn't have a harvest fest? I mean, he didn't bring in like a band for Christmas? That's it. No lights, no choir, no sound system, no comfortable seats, no air conditions. We are so blessed to live in this age with such grace offered to us. But for John... He simply had the power of the Word of God. The powerful Word that is still powerful today. Let me tell you something about the Word of God. It needs no fanfare. It needs no gifted order. It needs no higher education. In fact, when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Rome, Rome, which was the most educated empire in the world, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Let me tell you what the gospel needs. It only needs you or me to passionately proclaim. Listen, if God can use a donkey, he can use us. He just needs a person that is willing to proclaim, I was blind, but now I see. And let me tell you, John, who is just a mere man who wanted a personal secluded life, went out and did ministry and proclaimed the gospel. Take a look at Mark chapter 1 verse 5. Look what happens for a simple man doing a simple task. Then all the land of Judea, all the land, And those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Revival broke out. Revival broke out because one man was actually willing to go into the wilderness of his world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, church, we're almost 10,000 people. Imagine if we made John the Baptist our hero. 
And imagine if we took the calling of God the way that he took the calling of God and you went out into your wilderness world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, we would have revival break out in L.A. We'd have revival break out in L.A. If we were just willing to be like a John the Baptist. You see, his baptism was not the baptism that we have even today. His baptism was a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And I'd like to explain this to you by turning to Acts chapter 19. I want you to see the difference of the baptism of John as compared, which is of the Old Testament, as compared to the baptism of today, which is called believer's baptism. It's Acts chapter 19, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 19, I'll pick it up in verse 1. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, verse 2 of chapter 19 in the book of Acts, he said to him, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul walks into church and he don't see any joy. He don't see any love. He don't see any gentleness. He just sees people coming in. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, And he goes, okay, something's missing in this church. Have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Uh Verse 3, he said to him, into what then were you baptized? Here it is. So they said, into John's baptism. That's John the Baptist. So then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. You see, you'll see on the screen, it's Luke chapter 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. John's baptism was a baptism of purification because the people broke the law of God. And they were confessing, we broke the law of God. But John's baptism, take a look at the next portion, the uh, law and prophets were until John. Since that time, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. You see, John preached... You need to seek God for forgiveness. And the way that you've shown that you're seeking God is you will take a ritual bath, a baptism. And this is only to let you know you're in need of a Savior. His preaching, his very preaching pointed to the fact that you're not saved He was pointing to a savior. His baptism was one because the Jews broke the law. But the baptism that we receive as believers' baptism is identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And John was just saying, you need to be purified before God, but there is one who is coming who will completely purify you. His name is Jesus. Take a look. Go back with me to Mark chapter 1. You'll see it so clear in Mark chapter 1, verse 7. Mark chapter 1, verse 7. And he preached, so here's what he said, saying, there comes one after me 
who is mightier than I. So John's baptism didn't save. He pointed to the Savior whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water. In other words, you're purified in the sense of from the law. Then he says, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can come inside of us and seal us to the day of redemption. You see, John was pointing towards the fact that we were in need of a Savior. But I need to point out a word. Look again at verse 7. And he preached. He preached. There was nothing closet about John. Because this word means he announced publicly. Remember, John wanted a closet life. He wanted a secluded private life. I'll live live my little Christian life. I'll live in my little world. I'll go to my little Calvary Chapel South Bay and I'll do everything Christian. He wanted that life. But God called him out of that life to publicly proclaim in the same way he told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's calling us to go into the wilderness of our world and do the very same thing. You see, John the Baptist serves as a role model for all of us in the direction of preaching the gospel. And let me tell you what this gospel is going to do. Not only are you going to publicly proclaim it, it's going to change your life. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 6. You won't be able to live the life that you were living in the world. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 6. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair. I need to let you know, that was not even fashionable back then. (laughs) He was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Okay. You got to understand, the first century world, they wore those nice Roman robes, and everybody looked like, ah, ah. I I sound like Little Mermaid at this point. (laughs) We're babysitting Zach and Audrey's kids, so that's probably what we're going to show them. So here's the deal. So they come in these four rows, and then you go down to the Jordan Jordan Valley, camel's clothes? Like, John, that is so like 7th century BC. Like, I mean, dude, get up with the times. I mean, something was different about John. You didn't go down to the Judean Valley. You didn't go down to the Jordan River and get down there and go, now where is John? Which one is John? Now where, let me tell you who John was. John was the guy who was there down in the water, repent, you brood of vipers. You didn't go down to the water and wonder which one is he. He looked different. He acted different. He dressed different. I mean, when you saw John, you saw this bearded guy with locusts and honey dripping all in his beard. There was something different about this guy. Matthew chapter 11. Even Jesus said he was different. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 7. Matthew chapter 11, I ask you to turn there, verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, John the Baptist. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? In other words, like, did you go to see someone who would just drop at the uh, the drop of a hat? Emotional guy that would cry as soon as you came to him? No, no, no. Did you go out to see a reed shaken? No. 
But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you assuredly. I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus says, he looked different. He dressed different. Let me tell you something. He was different. Now, he was also dependent on God. He ate locusts. Do you know how hard it is to catch a locust? Do you know how hard it is? I tried. While we were in Morocco, I was like, okay, John the Baptist is my hero. I'm going to be a John the Baptist. I tried to catch a locust. It took me about 20 minutes. When I finally caught the little thing, I put it in my mouth. And let me tell you something. Locusts taste like celery with a squirt. Good morning. It's like, mmm, celery. Oof. It's like like all of a sudden the crunchy celery had a little like, anyway, I think you get the point. Do you know how hard it is to catch a locust? Do you know there are no trees in the wilderness? There's no trees in the desert. Very few. Do you know how hard it is to find a beehive in a tree or in a cave? I mean, there's very little flowers, very little bees, and he was surviving off of wild honey and locusts. He was completely dependent on God. He was different than the rest of the world. He is our hero. Because the calling of God in our lives is to make us different than the world. We're to look different. We're to act different. We're to speak different than the rest of the world. When I come to your workplace and I say, where's the Christian? They should go, aisle seven, probably singing a hymn. When I come to your school and I go, where's the Christian? They should say, in algebra, he's probably witnessing. Or when I come to your workplace and I go, where's the Christian? I don't think we got one here. If I come to your school, where's the Christian? Uh, (laughs) We don't do that here. You see, God has placed you in your wilderness. He has placed you in your world. Not to act like the world, but to be different, to be holy, to look different, to act different, so that when people are in need, they know exactly where to go to, and they knew exactly where John the Baptist was, and they knew exactly who he was. Everyone should know you and the light that you shine. Now, let's take a look. Go back with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Let's see what happens in the life and the ministry of John. Mark chapter 1 verse 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, the one thing that we're going to learn about Mark, he don't give us any details. He just goes from one event to the next. He's got one thing to prove. You can begin again. Jesus, son of God, you better believe whatever he says. Okay, that's his point. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. So what we have are other gospels that put some color into the black and white 
of the gospel according to Mark. So what I'd like to do is put some color into this event by going back to John's gospel, chapter 1. Go there with me. John's gospel, chapter 1. Let's put a little bit of color into this moment of Jesus' baptism. John chapter 1, I'm going to pick it up there in verse 29. John chapter 1, take a look with me, verse 29. John 1, 29. The next day, now I need to let you know, this is the day after Jesus was baptized. This is not the day of. The next day is the day after Jesus was baptized. He's already been baptized. The next day, John saw Jesus coming. You're going to understand that in just a moment. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After he comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Key verse 31. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Let me tell you what John says. I was walking by faith. I didn't know he was the Messiah. I just knew what God told me to do. And I was going to do it. All I know is that God said, you're the voice. Go baptize. So that's what I did. I realized I'm the voice. I don't know who the Messiah is. I don't even know when he's coming. All I know is that God told me, go prepare the way. I didn't know who he was. He says it even further. Take a look at verse 32. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from him like a dove and he remained upon him. Speaking of Jesus, I didn't know him, but he who sent me, speaking of God, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and testified that this, and he points at Jesus, this is the Son of God. You see, the day before, he sees the Spirit come down upon Jesus. And sometime before that, God told him, when you see the Spirit descend, that's the Messiah. John was living by faith. Now, this is important if John the Baptist is our hero. Because he was operating completely by faith, he didn't know the Messiah. He was only living by the word of God. That's how we live today. We live with a walk of faith. We learn the word of God. We take a step of faith to put it into action in our lives. So I'm dating someone who's not saved. I say goodbye to them. I've learned it, and now I live it, okay? I've learned it, and now there was a guy in the first service. He came up to me, and he goes, how did you know? I'm dating a girl who doesn't know Jesus, and I wrestled, should I date her or should I not date her? And I feel like God was writing a letter to me. If that's you, let me say it again. It's time to say goodbye. We learn the word then we live the word. And we trust just like John the Baptist. We trust just like John the Baptist that the Lord will show up in the power of the Holy Spirit and fulfill what he's promised for us. John, just go baptize. Trust me for the rest. 
Just be obedient, church, to what I've called you to do and trust me for the rest. Now, this was a powerful moment. Can you imagine the scene? God the Father is speaking. The Spirit is sending Jesus, the Son of God, there in the water. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But Jesus, why are you getting baptized in the first place? I mean, isn't baptism the purification of sin? No, you have to understand. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, Permit it to be so now, speaking of his baptism, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is not the sinless Savior being purified from sin. He was sinless. This was our great high priest identifying as the God-man, identifying with us. This was our great high priest through the symbol of baptism showing his ministry would be a death, a burial, and a resurrection. This baptism was symbolic of his life, identifying with you and me, and Jesus was letting the world know, I am the fulfillment of what John the Baptist has been saying. He's been pointing towards me, and it will only be through my death, burial, and resurrection that you can be saved. And God confirmed it. And God spoke to his son and said, this is my son, and whom I am well pleased. That's why the next day, John sees Jesus, he gets it and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hey gang, this is just the beginning of the gospel of Mark. I can't wait to dig into 16 chapters. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And now we have an opportunity to remember you. And so my prayer is that today we will remember your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Would you give us the grace today to have the spirit of a John the Baptist as we remember you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.